0: Good morning, Amokyo family. My name is Isaac and I'm currently a student at Trinity Theological College. Allow me to introduce myself very briefly. I've been attending Amokyo since I was a child and I've been serving as a drummer since I was in the children's ministry. I was on staff here at Amokyo from 2014 to 2018 as a pastoral team member. I was involved in the youth ministry in the discipleship and nurture ministry, and also in missions. And I'm currently studying in TTC, like I said earlier, and time has really flown. I'm in my final year. I'm very thankful to be able to preach the Word of God this morning, and I thank Pastor Anthony and the pastoral team for giving me this opportunity. For those of us who are just joining in or joining us for the first time, since September, our church has embarked on a sermon series on the Kingdom of God. We've had a two-week break from this series and this morning we dive back into the Gospel of Luke. I thought it would be good to refresh our memories and to do a quick recap for two reasons. One, it's always good to look back and see what we have covered. Two, the passage we are looking at today is a little different from what we have been looking so far. And so Pastor Anthony kicked off this series by sharing with us about the King and the Kingdom. How Jesus, our King, has been sent to proclaim the good news of the Kingdom. And there really are two kingdoms at work here, not physical ones, but spiritual ones. There is a Kingdom of Darkness and a Kingdom of Light. From there, we have seen how the Kingdom of God is really an upside-down Kingdom, how it runs is completely different from what we expect a kingdom to be run here on earth. We have also looked at our kingdom assignments and how Jesus challenges us that the king's requirement for the kingdom is all or nothing. And as Pastor Ming preached on our kingdom alignment, whose we are determines who we are. This morning's sermon title is called, Kingdom Warnings Never Take Things For Granted. Let me say that again. Kingdom Warnings Never Take Things For Granted. And if you're watching this beside someone, turn to him or her and say, Never Take Things For Granted. Or you can comment in the comment box below, Never Take Things For Granted. Our passage from Scripture today is Luke chapter 13, verse 22 to thirty, Luke chapter 13, verse 22 to 30. Allow me to read from the English Standard Version. He, Jesus, went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter Through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south, and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last, who will be first, and some are first, who will be last. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. In February 2015 I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Bali under the trekkers program. We spent a lovely 11 days in Bali reaching out to the people then also taking in the beauty of God's creation. On the last day of the trip just like any other trip we found ourselves at the airport waiting to go home. We did the usual you know we checked in our bags we made sure we had no liquids on us uh, and so on and so forth and we actually reached the airport quite ahead of schedule. And so, you know, just like everyone at the airport, we went for a meal. We were in the midst of our conversations, laughing and recollecting the past few days, when suddenly, one of our team members blurted out, Hey guys, I think they're calling our names through the PA. I know it's been some time since most of us have been to a normal airport, but I'm sure we can remember how airports are like you know, you don't really pay much attention to what's going on on the PA and what's being announced until your name is being called. And so we stopped talking and started listening, trying to strain our ears above the chatter at the cafe. Then we realized they are really calling, they are really calling out our names. And up until that point, I my name has never been called at the airport before. And so my eyes widened and we all looked at each other in shock. We are about to miss our flight. We all knew what we had to do. Run, ciao, and you no, know, just leave everything. Don't top out the cake. Don't finish your coffee. Just run, go now. And I remember all ten of us running as fast as we could to the gate. Now, if you've been to Bali Airport before, you remember that this airport is not small. It was a long distance to the gate, and thankfully, there was a commando in our team who sprinted all the way to the gate to make sure that, um, and to tell them that uh, we are on the way, and please wait for us. When we got there, we all had one. But thank God we managed to make it there in time. We knew that if we had chosen to ignore the announcement, we would have missed the flight. And if that happened, no amount of pleading, or waving a ticket at the counter would help. The plane would have been long gone. You know, while Jesus was not giving a warning about missing flights or running in the airport in our passage, He was warning about something way more serious, something where the stakes are much, much higher. He warns us that there comes a point where those outside the kingdom of God will no longer be allowed to enter he was giving a warning about never taking things for granted. The outline of our sermon this morning can be categorized into three letters, D, A, and B. D stands for divide, A stands for assumption, and B stands for battle. Let me repeat that again. D stands for divide, A stands for assumption, and B stands for battle. And so firstly, D, divide. Jesus warns us in this story that there will be a great divide. And this divide is absolute. If we look closely, this story is filled with contrast. Make every effort to enter versus not being able to enter. Close the door versus stand outside knocking. We ate and drank with you versus I don't know you or where you come from. And that's not all. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth versus take their place at the feast. You will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob versus you yourselves thrown out. You see, the divide that Jesus was warning about is really a divide about on those inside the kingdom of God and those outside the kingdom of God. Jesus warns us that the door will be closed and those outside will no longer be able to enter. You see, no matter how much those outside pleaded, they are unable to enter. Verse 25 says, You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will say, I don't know you or where you come from. No matter how familiar they were with Jesus, they will not be able to enter. Verse 26 says, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. This divide will be absolute. Some of us might find bits and pieces of this story familiar. That's because the bit on closing the door is repeated in Matthew chapter 25, where the bridegroom stands up and closes the door. And the phrases, um, Depart from me, weeping and gnashing of teeth, and I never knew you, are also found in Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. You see, the fact that this warning is repeated just goes to show how important and serious it is. You know, as Christians, we've often been told that Christ's coming back is something that we ought to look forward to. And that's right. You know, the Bible tells us to yearn for His return. But Jesus also warns us that in His second coming, His second coming is not going to be good for those who are not in the kingdom of God. Because when the king returns, there will be a great divide between those inside and outside of the kingdom. You see, the great divide is but one thing, and Jesus was addressing another issue here, and that is assumptions. You know, back at the Bali airport, we assumed that we had time to waste. We also assumed that the walk to the gate was a short one. You know, actually, we make assumptions all the time. You know, when I help you order a bowl of pong I'm going to assume that you want chili inside. If uh, when you go for a buffet or when I go for a buffet, I'm going to assume that the food is never going to run out and I am the one who will throw in the towel and give up. Or, you know, if you are a Singaporean male like myself, you assume that once you reach the age of 18, you'll get a letter calling you up for national service. We make assumptions all the time. Sometimes our, our assumptions aren't always right. I have been the recipient of wrong assumptions. You see, because of my affinity for food, I have been wrongly assumed that I like to eat durian. Thing is, I don't like to eat durian. Please do not stone me for that, but I really don't like to eat durian. You know, recently my mum had an episode of a wrong assumption. She was at the the market doing her usual marketing, and she came across a beautiful piece of salmon, a whole piece in fact. And so she bought the whole fish and left the fishmonger to do his job of cutting, descaling, filleting as she carried on visiting other stores. You know, and after she finished her marketing, she collected the heavy red bag and went home. When she returned home and opened her bag, to her horror, the contents of the bag looked nothing like salmon. There was no red or orangey colours in the bag. Instead, there was sotong prawns, and other types of fish. The only salmon inside was two small pieces, not even big enough to make a fillet. When she returned to the fishmonger, he was very apologetic. He obviously gave her the wrong bag, assuming that the heaviest red bag in his stall was for her. Our second point is A, assumption. D for divide, A for assumption. Now at the start of our passage, Jesus was asked a question. Lord, will those who are saved be few? There isn't much information about why this question was asked. But judging from Jesus' response, there are a few wrong assumptions that are made in this question. One of the assumptions is that the Jews automatically qualify as part of the kingdom of God. Although our passage doesn't explicitly tell us that Jesus was talking to Jews, there is a hint that tells us that Jesus was very likely speaking about Jews. You see, in verse 28, Jesus mentions Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. The mention of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would have arrested the attention of any Jew So even though we can't be absolutely sure that Jesus was speaking to the Jews, it's quite likely he was speaking about Jews. Jews knew who these prominent figures were. Gentiles probably didn't know Abraham, Isaac or Jacob. In fact, it is because of Jewish traditions that we can sort of understand why this assumption was made. Wasn't Israel Israel God's chosen people? Yes, but it's a different story when it comes to salvation. You see, there is no automatic membership in the kingdom of God. Being born a Jew does not qualify you as part of the kingdom of God. Surrendering your life to Jesus does. You see, this warning is also applicable for us today. That no one should take for granted that our place in the kingdom of God is secured just because we are born into a Christian family. Now, for those of us with a church background, we probably would have heard this many, many times, you know, being born in a Christian family does not mean that you automatically become a Christian. So allow me to say it in a different way. Aren't we thankful that salvation does not depend whether we are born in a Christian family or not? Because if we were truly so, then Jesus wouldn't be the only way to God. Our parents would be. If it were truly so, then those of us who come from non-Christian families wouldn't be here today. If it were truly so, then evangelism would be a waste of time. You see, Jesus was also addressing another assumption in this story, the assumption of familiarity. Verse 26 tells us, that the people outside the door told Jesus that they ate and drank with him, that he taught them in their streets. Yet, Jesus' reply to them was straightforward. I don't know you or where you come from. You see, hearing Jesus teach without surrendering our lives to him does not get us into the kingdom of God. Spending time with Him without surrendering our lives to Him does not get us into the kingdom of God. Familiarity does not equate to intimacy. Let me say that again. Familiarity does not equate to intimacy. One of my fellow classmates in TTC recently calculated that on the average, a TTC student listens to about four sermons a week, three at chapel and one in church. This is, of course, pre-COVID days. And in TTC, there are morning and evening prayers to attend, although it's not compulsory. In short, we can spend close to seven hours a week just hearing sermons and praying. But I'm pretty sure every TTC student will agree with me that one can go through the motions week by week and still remain distant to God. We can listen to countless hours of sermons. Our attendance at cell group can be 100%. We can go for prayer meetings all the time, and yet we can be distant from God. My friends and my family, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us not take for granted that familiarity equals to intimacy. Don't get me wrong, listening to sermons and attending cell group is important. But if those are all you do in your Christian life, in your walk with God, then we've missed the point. You see, the point Jesus is driving in this passage is that our inner life, our spiritual life matters. Not so much our public life, not so much what people can see on the outside, but what goes on inside. Because what goes on inside, what happens internally, affects the external. And so we've seen there will be a great divide. We shouldn't make wrong assumptions. So what shall we do now? This brings us to our final point, B. B for battle. You see, Jesus starts the story by saying that there is an internal battle within us. The word strife does not mean that we work for our salvation, but that we are involved in the battle within us. This battle It's a battle between choosing sin and choosing Christ, our King. You know, when I was serving in prison fellowship as part of my internship, a beneficiary was sharing with me his struggle with alcohol. For him, even the sound of a beer can opening, is enough to tempt him and make his mind wander. Knowing this very weakness of his, he battles with all his might to avoid alcohol at all costs because he knows there is something there is someone far far better than giving in to that temptation what is our temptation to fight today you know jesus commands us to strive to make every effort to battle against our inclination to sin and surrender our lives to him and this fight is not a fight It's not random. We are not only fighting against our sinful nature, against disobeying God, but we are fighting because we know Jesus loves us and we are cherished by Him. Let me say that again. We are fighting because we know Jesus loves us and we are cherished by Him. We are loved by Him. Maybe some of us here, we are tired of fighting. We're tired of this whole cycle of sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting. My dear brothers and sisters, we fight, we repent, because we know there is a purpose to our repentance. To paraphrase Timothy Keller, repentance is not an endless cycle of feeling guilt, but it is knowing that we are sinful, that we deserve punishment, and yet at the same time, We are cherished by God and we are loved by Him. And that is what we are fighting against, what we are fighting towards and who we are fighting with. Let me say that again. That is what we are fighting against. We are fighting against the nature of our sin. What we are fighting towards, the fact that God loves us and cherishes us and who we are fighting with. We are fighting with Jesus. That is our encouragement, my dear brothers and sisters, that Christ loves us, that Jesus loves us, that we are not alone in this fight. We have Jesus by our side. You see, Jesus crossed the great divide. Jesus fought the battle of temptation. He endured unspeakable cruelty and hardship. And He knows the battles that we are fighting today because He has fought them too. He laid down His life on Calvary at great cost to Himself and purchased our salvation. You see, Jesus Himself experienced the Father turning His face away. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus has defeated sin and death, and He is exalted on high and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day, He will come again to judge. Jesus had the authority to tell us this story not only because he is the one opening the door, but he's also because he is the door. And no one goes to the Father except through him. You see, the very same person who told this story in Luke chapter 13 is the very same person who is holding the door open now. And there will come a point in time where he will close it But as long as he has not closed it, as long as he has not returned, the door remains open. The question for us is, are we inside or are we outside? Now, Maybe some of us have been taking for granted that we are part of the kingdom of God. Simply by going in and out of church, going through the motions and never really surrendering our lives to Jesus. Maybe for some of us, it has been such a long time we have spoken to Jesus, spent time with Jesus, that we've actually forgotten what it means to be in a relationship with Him. Or maybe for some of us, we are thinking to ourselves, you know, I've fallen too far away now. Why would Jesus bother with me? My dear brothers and sisters, wherever we are today, let us turn to the King who welcomes us who loves us, who at great cost to himself suffered and died so that we enter into his kingdom and be with him forever. May we never take his love for granted. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your death on the cross that opens the door for us to enter into the kingdom of God. Lord, we acknowledge that we are weak. We have taken you for granted and we have taken our salvation for granted. Please forgive us and bring us back to you. Please grant us your grace to surrender to you, to acknowledge you as our King. Please also grant us your strength to repent, to rely on your strength to repent and not on ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.